Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Tuesday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. I'm Luke. Wolf, what's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. How about you, Luke? Everything? Really everything right uh, now. Tuesday. Well, we know it is Tuesday. The most productive day of the week, according to the forehead, Paul Calvisi. <laughs> the forehead. Hey, I got good news for you. What's up, Paulie? Season three, Ted Lasso, a month from uh, tomorrow. Okay, Ted they just, Lasso. They just mentioned that. They just Season released three. the trailer this morning. So what are you saying? I should binge this thing? Because I haven't seen Ted very Lasso. Bingeable. Like, and very bingeable. Should I binge this with a warrior queen? I, yeah, I think you should. I think that you've now... And she'd enjoy it? I think she would enjoy it. Okay. I think everybody in this city has told you to watch it up to and including Cliff Kingsbury during one of our interviews <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> yeah, That's here true, we are. yes. All um, right, Ted Lasso. Season three. Actually, to be fair, he said it was about, uh, what did he say? It was it was about, like, um, learning and life lessons and, and compassion and good people. And then he said, Wolf, it's probably not for you. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember him saying that. He did that. kick me in the cradle, didn't he? Yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, that comes out in a month. They just put out the trailer this morning. But we are going to talk. Can't wait. I, I don't know. Is Ted Lasso on the list of potential finalists to coach the Cardinals? I mean, no. no? I okay. don't think so. So we are down to just two again, I think. It appears to be Jonathan Gannon or Lou Anarumo. Okay, like, Jonathan like kind Gannon. Of appears and to be Lou Jonathan Anarumo. Gannon. It really does kind of feel like it's yeah. going to be Jonathan Gannon right now. Just Tuesday. It's Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Maybe it is the most productive day of the week. And now all of a sudden, here it is. The Arizona Cardinals could name Jonathan Gannon. He's having the second interview, I believe the second interview today, correct? I, yeah. Is I that not so. what's going on right there? Today, they actually talked to him yesterday. Ron Wolfley reporting, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they talked to him yesterday. <laughs> Yesterday, And I think they're going to talk to him today. I think they are meeting with him today. Is it possible that it is going to be the most productive day of the week for the Arizona Cardinals in terms of hiring their new head coach, Jonathan Gannon? That's the sentiment right now. It's kind of feeling that way. Nobody, nobody has said that, but it just feels like that right now. The second interview, bada bing, bada boom. And maybe we're going to get the boom. It feels that way, but um, there's a lot of talk that the Eagles don't want him to go. So, I mean, it has felt like the, this Cardinals coaching search was going to end a few times. So I don't want to, I don't want to like make oversell this to people. They're going to get out of their car now and be like, "Oh, Jonathan Gannon is the next head coach." It kind of feels that way right now, which means absolutely nothing. Yes, because it does seem like the Eagles are doing everything they can to prevent him from leaving. Yeah, you, you, that's good luck with that. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I mean, okay, you're going to go and be a head coach and they're going to pay you more than, you know, what, what do you mean? I, I, Of course they don't want him to leave. I would imagine they don't, especially based on how well their defense played this year. Maybe not in the second half of the Super Bowl. 
They struggled a little bit, but um, yeah, okay. That's one half of one game. Against <laughs> yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Against Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid. Yeah, so to me, I, I don't know. Um, good luck with that, I guess. Uh, this is Elliot Shore Parks covers the Eagles. He was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday. Talked about uh, Jonathan Gannon being linked to the Cardinals. I was surprised by it because uh, Gannon on the field after one of the Eagles playoff games said he was going to be back. So to me, it seemed as if, uh, you know, he was here to stay. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised that, you know, he's going to get a job. If you'd asked me a month ago, I thought that was a good chance. But I thought it was going to be Houston. So so for that not to happen, and then for the Cardinals to, it seems, you know, be on the verge of hiring him or at least extremely interested in him, uh, it, is, it is very surprising to me. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens right now. I just feel like I would like, um, I would like Lou Anarumo. And I've said that, and I'm sorry to say that, Lou. I'm sorry to say that. I'm not sitting in the room. I don't hear the answers. Ever, I don't know what's going on. Ever since you first said that, they it's added just more so candidates. True. I, it's exactly what's going on right now. I, I have been wrong at every step <laughs> of the way right here. Every guy that I have endorsed, every guy that I like has gone kaput for the most part, metaphorically speaking. And and Luana Rumo is a guy I think I like the age. That's what it is. I like the fact that he's 59, I believe. I like the fact he's got a little age to him. Um, I think that's important going forward. I don't know if the separation, of course, that I like so much is the most important thing. I think there's also some some age that I, I like about Luan Arumo, and when I think of Jonathan Gannon, I don't think of age. <laughs> He's a young guy's what? He's <laughs> he doesn't 40. have an age yet. Yes. No, I, I, look, it's, um, I think that the, the thing that now stands out to me is they, assuming they don't add anybody else, and by the way, Shane Steichen is the Colts head coach, in case you didn't hear uh, Rick's update, Um they're going to go with a defensive guy. Yeah. I mean, it took us over five weeks to figure this much out. It's going to be a defensive guy. Because there's not any more games to be played. It's not like, well, we're going to look at the USFL and see okay. if we like anybody there. It's what going are to the be, benefits of that? I, you know, what, what is it? If you because cycle, they have, they have, from the very beginning, targeted defensive guys. I just, if you cycle all the way back to when this started five weeks ago, I think you and I were on similar pages with this one of, I like the idea of it being different than what you did last year. If you're going to make the change, make the change. You know what I mean? Don't don't come back with a different version of the same thing. I know you're a big fan of the physicality. Defensive-minded guys are yes. typically going to promote that more. Uh, I am, and a lot of this is from you know talking with you and, and Lorenzo Alexander, but I, I like the idea of what you may potentially get out of practices if you have a defensive head coach. I want to know who the coordinators are. You know, I mean, that's going to be big. If you go with a defensive head coach, you you do your offensive coordinator hire is almost as important in this case. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Um, You know, to me, okay, now you want a young offensive coordinator. That's fine. For whatever reason, I want that separation. I truly do. I I want that. I'm a little leery of Jonathan Gannon, only from the standpoint, this, this is just me. This is my impression, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. It's my opinion. But I want that separation in age between Kyler Murray and whoever the head coach is going to be. There. 
Yeah. Was that so hard, Ron, to say that? Well, he's just get it out. <laughs> just get it out right there. That's like, I'm a man. I'm 40. Thank you. Tuesday is not productive. I, I honestly, I want the separation. Defense. Okay. Defensive minded head coach. I love that. I love that. It's built in the separation. You know what? I'm going to hire somebody who's an offensive coordinator and a quarterback coach, and those will be your peers right there. Okay. That'll be your, your quarterback coach will bring in a young guy, and you know, Kyler, you could have the peer right there. But an offensive coordinator, maybe will bring in, oh, I don't know, Jim Caldwell. <laughs> All right. Somebody get me Jim Caldwell immediately. Line two. You know, I I would love that because the separation, there needs to be separation and these these positions of authority, I think, with Kyla Murray. And that's what I love about Lou Anarumo. Well, that separation is built in. I also like the idea of... Oh, my goodness. Jim Caldwell was hired by the Panthers this morning. I did not even hear that. Well, there you go. As a senior assistant to Frank Reich. Uh, Are you kidding me right there? Okay. You know Frank Reich, 61. Give me Todd Haley. (laughs) Uh, Todd Haley. If you bring in Todd Haley, just send the Hard Knocks crew right back and send backup for the Hard Knocks crew. Oh, I would watch that. I would watch that. Well, thank you for that, Command and Control. I missed that. I did not see that Jim Caldwell was hired. Your backup plan is the exact Uh, opposite of Jim Caldwell. Let's go with Todd Todd Haley. First of all, Jim Caldwell is pretty tough-minded. He really is. I'm not saying he isn't, but he never struck me as um, He's not Todd Haley. (laughs) He's not Todd Haley. (laughs) Todd was, uh, without a doubt, one of my favorite uh, coaches that the Arizona Cardinals have ever had. What if you you brought in Todd Haley and one other guy and said, look, this isn't going to last. So Todd, we just want to see how long it goes. But you're the real guy after after Let's whatever happens. Let's go get Harbaugh and bring in Todd Haley oh, as well. Okay. That'd be great. Now we're talking. You want to get Bro. people fired up. Um, all right. We'll get back but into this get, later but on. But you get my point on this hire right now. The Jonathan Gannon, I just don't know enough about this guy. It makes me uncomfortable only because he is a young guy. And... and uh, you know, he is a defensive-minded guy. There's mixed I get reviews that. coming out of Philly, too, but it's hard to tell. I'll, I'll play more of the audio next time we talk about this. It's hard to tell if that's just Philly fans flipping out that they lost the Super Bowl because their defense was really good all year. I know. You know what I mean? Yes, so very good it, it is, all year. It, it's hard to, to read between the lines on the mixed reviews when they're coming out of Philly because there really is no nuance in Philly. It's just kind of, hey, this is my opinion. I'm going to bash you over the head with I it. want separation. I'm the head coach here. You're the quarterback. Thank you. Next. That I 100% agree with you on, and I don't think anybody driving around disagrees with you. We don't need a head coach who is also the offensive coordinator. Uh, we come back. What are Monty Williams' early impressions of Kevin Durant now that he is in the building? Working out with the Phoenix Suns. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Right up now, the funk soul brother. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Check it out now, the funk soul brother. Right about now, the funk soul brother. Check it out now. Funk so brother, right about now. Funk so brother, right about now. I like the Wolf remix. Oh, kick this in. <laughs> it's got a little old feel to it, doesn't it? It's kind of an old song. All right. We talked about the video yesterday, Wolf. Kellen Olsen posted it. 
Okay. I know I saw a version of it uh, on, on SportsCenter at one point. Or NBA. It was on ESPN. I don't know what, what uh, show it was. They all kind of run together at this point. But um, Kevin Durant taking shots, dunking, working out at the Suns practice facility. So he is officially here now. He's not playing tonight or Thursday. That's not something new. That that was going to be the case if he stayed in Brooklyn. He probably wasn't playing until after the All-Star break. Uh, this is Monty Williams yesterday after watching Kevin Durant in the gym. I know for me, you know, being in the gym with the great ones or really good players that bring it like that every day, like it, it made me like, you know, want to get after it just because you know, <laughs> there's a, a small part of you that makes you, you know, think like, man... I think I could do that, but then you come to reality or you deal with reality and you realize you can't. But I think anybody that comes into our gym, uh, you're probably going to stick out like a sore thumb if you don't work hard. But you have a a really good player that that works like he does. It is something cool to watch. Maybe Monty will be the fifth starter. (laughs) He work out. He's like, all right, I want to play. Okay, do you have anything you want to say about that right there? Do you have anything on your mind? Because, you know, I'm ready to unload right now. Okay, well, I have a lot on my mind, but I'm going to let you unload first. Yeah, oh my goodness, that right there is so true, what Monty just said. It really is when you have a great player, and a great player works hard, I can tell you right now, based on earnings, it blows the locker room up in a very, very positive way. Once again, if you tell me that KD is not going to bring any drama here, if you tell me that a lot of the drama that KD was experiencing in Brooklyn was due to a James Harden being there as well, and a Kyrie Irving being there, I would tend to believe that. Ultimately, Dave Pash is somebody that has been around. Dave Pash knows KD to some degree, knows an awful lot of the guys that have been around him. We've had him on our show. He's commented on it many times. He is a hard worker. He told us in the Kevin summer. Kevin Durant remember? is a hard worker. Pash was like, you, you know, you want him in the summer. Remember? He's, he's it's like, it's not. Exactly. Yeah. It, Pash was very, has been very consistent yes. and was very adamant about it. Of like, if you can get a Kevin Durant, if you can get, not a Kevin Durant, if you can specifically get Kevin Durant, it's not – look, if you can get a Kevin Durant implies if you can get somebody with that talent, you want them. And that's that's obviously a no-brainer. But he was talking specifically Kevin Durant. The, the way this guy – The way he works like he's about to get cut, basically. Yes. yes, you don't understand the impact that has on a locker room. You do not understand the impact it has on a player day in and day out. What Monty Williams just said, based on earnings, is so spot on, it's not even funny. It, it reminds me of some of the great players that I have played with, some of the incredible – incredibly talented players I have played with. And if they're out there and they're busting their can, why aren't you? What is your excuse? That That is a message that is sent to everybody else. As a matter of fact, you've heard me talk about a mad king. It is the absolute opposite of mad kingdoms. It is, it is a king. Now, you might want to say that KD is an old king. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with having an old king. There's nothing wrong with having a young king. Isn't that right, Devin Booker? And this is exactly the kind of impact you would hope to have to bring somebody like Kevin Durant in who's so talented and everyone sees his talent, and yet he's out there working as hard as anybody. What what does that say to everybody else in the locker room? Man, that's the beginning of culture. And if that's going to be the cornerstone you're going to lay 
for the culture in that locker room, that's a great place to start. Well, you know, one of the underrated parts of Durant, too, and we've already seen this happen with Golden State. I know that's a that's a, a time of his career that a lot of people trash him for. But the reality is he stepped in on an already great team and made it better. And he made it better by not coming in and saying, okay, this is my team now. I'm Kevin Durant. You know, look at me. Look at what I've, look at individually what I've accomplished. It's my team. He's able to step in and adapt to the situation. In addition to already being an elite talent and all these other things we're talking about, with him, I don't have any concern. Like, okay, just put these two guys next to each other. If we were talking about Kyrie joining the Suns, wouldn't you be like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like yeah. they, they might win the title or yeah. they might fold as a franchise. Like we don't mm-hmm. know. With Kevin Durant, he's not going to come in and be like, "All right, step aside, book. This is my team." Similar to Chris Paul when Chris Paul stepped in. Chris Paul was like, "I know I know it's Devin Booker's team." Yeah. Because he's confident enough in himself to know he's Chris Paul. Security is a beautiful thing, is yeah. it not? Nobody's going to forget about Chris Paul if he's winning a title with Devin Booker. Same thing with Kevin Durant. Insecurity sucks buttermilk. <laughs> Security those are the two sides. No, that's what it is. It's two sides to the coin. Insecurity, insecurity. And KD knows exactly who he is and what he's capable of. And he's going to outwork you. He's going to outwork you. This is, this is great news right now because there's a lot of guys that are going to lay eyes on Kevin Durant. And they're going to learn from KD. Here's DJ Warren, who just played with Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. Man, he's a great worker, you know. Kevin, he's um, very routine. Um, he's going to do the same thing every day. Um, works on his game. You know, he loves the game. Um, it's just going to be contagious to be able to just be around him and just pick up um, tips from him as well as uh, a lot of basketball mom, CP. But uh, he's going to help a lot of guys, man. It's just, it's just it's a great to have him here. Let's just stop there for one second because this is something I really hadn't thought of that much. You know, we talk about it. You asked this question to all of our guests last week, and they kept saying, oh, everybody. Who's KD going to help the most? Oh, everybody. And then gradually people started to kind of, you know, whittle it down of, well, you know, he's going to help DA because he's going to take a lot of pressure off him. Or he's going to, you know, he's going to clear up. Devin Booker's not going to get double teams. He's not going to get blitzed, right? All these things he does on the court. What about just the influence of having Kevin Durant around Devin Booker? Because Booker is so good, and we already saw it with Chris Paul, of being like, okay, I'm Devin Booker already. I don't need to change a whole lot. Oh, but there's little things from Chris Paul I could take. Remember when they when they added Chris Paul and Devin Booker started to talk like Chris Paul? Yeah, yeah. I mean, now you're gonna you're gonna bring in Kevin Durant and you're gonna put Kevin Durant around Devin Booker. Modeling. You're only gonna make Devin Booker better. That's what it is. It's modeling. You, you need people to model your culture. People walking around. Your best players. You've heard me talk about this over and over and over again. It doesn't matter what sport we're talking about either. You have to have people that will model your culture. You know, speaking what it is, having the thought and speaking it and putting it into words, that's where it begins. That's where your culture begins. But then you need somebody to model it every day. And that's that's something that hopefully Kevin Durant is going to do and do very, very well. Because he's got the likes of Chris Paul, because he's got the likes of a uh, Devin Booker. Now, all of a sudden, he doesn't need... I think this is, for me, I think KD, and I could be dead wrong on this, but he's already proven this to some degree because of the Golden State Warriors experience. He might be a beta. He might be one of those guys right there instead of an alpha. Might be a beta, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think he can be both. 
That that's I, I, and I don't even know if you can be both, but it feels like he's able to adapt. I don't know if I have time to play this clip, of Monty Williams. So I'm just going to play it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think it it certainly helps to have you know a guy that everywhere he's gone, he's been able to adapt to certain styles of play. Uh, in OKC, they they played a slower style. Um, people forget back then it was a young Russ, young KD, and a young James Harden. And they had multiple guys. Um, the only consistent guy was Nick Collins. Everybody else was rotating in and out, and he was able to adapt to those situations. And then you have the Golden State .5, and not necessarily a, a pick-and-roll team. They play more motion and action, and then you play with Kyrie. And Jay, you know, it's that's a lot. And he's been the best player in every environment and been able to adapt in every situation. So I think it's going to help us. Um, certainly when you have a guy you can give the ball to and he's that long and can get a shot off at any time, it certainly helps. Right there, just honestly, an alpha is going to come in and be an alpha. That's what's going to happen. And a beta is somebody who adapts to me. I just want to see how quickly he adapts to, because I don't think they had this dynamic in Brooklyn. I mean, this team, when things are going well, they rip each other. And they'll rip each other in press conferences. And they'll rip each other while they're sitting next to each other in press conferences. I mean, Devin Booker and Chris Paul press conferences last year could have been its own Netflix series. So what's going to happen when they start? Like, Kevin Durant's going to have to adjust to that. But... uh I think he'll be able to in this group. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. What can the Cardinals take away from each team that we just saw play in Super Bowl 57? It's Wolf and Luke at Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The world is a vampire. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's going to be that kind of day. Be a Smashing Pumpkins kind of day. Uh, one of the more underrated bands of the grunge era is a non ladies and gentlemen. A little Billy Corrigan never hurt anybody, especially when you start kicking it in a little bit. This is where you get the eye black on. You're looking at yourself in the mirror, and you're smearing it on. And you're, okay, one for my family. One for my dad. Tears for what I must be called. Not that that ever happened to me, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what you're talking about. Be happy to know I was listening to Metallica driving up here at 7 in the morning. Metallica hits differently at 7 in the morning. It really does. Totally, yeah. Old school Metallica hits very differently at 7 in the morning. Uh, All right, so to football, and it's funny, Wolf, I'm looking at the show sheet, right? Okay, we mapped this out before the show. So we have the show sheet, and and this is the way it works. Maloney gives each of us one, and and you never look at yours, and I have mine right here to make sure we stay relatively on task. Appreciate it, Luke. Yeah. So it says, what can Arizona take away from the teams in Super Bowl 57? Well, my first thought is... um, Hassan Reddick, they could take him back. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, they tried to move up and draft him, and uh, they tried to get Andy Reid. So yeah. if they could just have those three things that they tried to take, yeah. they probably would have been in Super Bowl okay. 57. You're being a little facetious right there, right? I mean, just a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Can I can I say this right now? Um, the Kansas City Chiefs, one of the more underrated things about the Kansas City Chiefs and what they did in Super Bowl 57 is they were capable of becoming whatever they needed to become in order to beat their opponent. 
They came out at second half. You need to break it down. You need to look at it. You need to study it. If you love the game of football, if you love the X's and O's, you need to break it down and look what the Kansas City Chiefs did when they came out in that second half and they said, okay, you know what? Um, we're down by 10 points right now. We got Pat Mahomes. We're not going to panic. We know exactly what you think you're going to do, Philadelphia, because you've done it all season long. You get the early lead and teams just start throwing the ball, and that's one of the reasons why you have 70 sacks. Because you have a bunch of guys that are good pass rushers, especially off the edge, coming up the field knowing you're going to throw the ball. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to come out, we're going to run the ball. Six of the first ten plays they ran, and that ten plays they ran resulted in a touchdown on that first possession. Six of them were run. Seven if you count Pat Mahomes pulling the ball down and running, which I don't. They ran the ball. They came out with the intent of running the ball, and they had success doing it, and they did it in that second half. And that's the reason why, ultimately, in my opinion, the Chiefs won. What do you have to, what can you learn? What can you learn from the Kansas City Chiefs, a Super Bowl champion? You got to be whatever you need to be in order to beat your opponent. It just so happened it was the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Eagles were, without a doubt, a one seed if not the best team in the National Football League. Look at their roster. And somehow, someway, Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, they were able to become what they needed to become in order to beat them. Yeah, I think it's tougher. If I look at these two teams, and I'm like, okay, who who can the Cardinals... You know, the, the Cardinals going into last season... I think we all thought they were going to be right around a seven or an eight win team, maybe a nine win team, depending on how optimistic you were. But I'm sure there was belief within the organization. Uh, and we heard guys say this. Look, the last two Super Bowls, the, the host team made it. I mean, they went into last season expecting to try to make a push through the playoffs and, and improve on the year before. Why wouldn't you? The year before they made the playoffs. So I think back to what Michael Bidwell said at the start of this coaching process where he's like, I don't think we're quite as broken as, as a lot of people believe we are. And that's how you have to view it if you're the organization. When I look at the two teams and and I'm trying to figure out, okay, how can the Cardinals get to where those two teams were? Man, it's really hard to look at Kansas City and and think they can follow that path. Like, I hear what you're saying, but so much of it is, and they have Patrick Mahomes. Whereas with Philadelphia, I look and I'm like, you have a quarterback that was supposed to be what Jalen Hurts is. Could he still become Jalen Hurts light? And could you build just a really stout defense and do it that way? Yeah, I think you're you're misinterpreting what it is that I'm saying right now because, again, I'm not saying you're going to have the talent the Kansas City Chiefs have. I'm not saying you're going to have the talent the Philadelphia Eagles have. What I am saying is offensively, in particular, you need to be, you need to be capable of becoming whatever you need to be in order to beat your opponent. This is something that um, I have learned throughout my time of playing football and watching football for over three decades. That That is, you need to be capable of doing it. It doesn't mean, let, think of the Kansas City Chiefs right now. When you think of the Kansas City Chiefs, do you think, man, there's a team that runs the ball. No, they no. weren't running it. They didn't run it at all no. in the AFC Championship. No, you don't, you don't think that. And the reason why you don't think that is because they were number 20. In terms of rushing yards per game. That seems high, honestly. It <laughs> so, seems high. Okay. Number 20. This is my point. Suddenly, there they are playing the Philadelphia Eagles. 
this passing, the number one passing team in the National Football League in terms of passing yards per game and passing yards per play. Number one, the Kansas City Chiefs. They came out and they won Super Bowl 57 because they were capable of running the ball. And in particular, the second half. That won them the half, being able to run the ball the way that they were and did. Now, how is that? This isn't a team that is known for that. No, but they're capable of doing it. That's one of the reasons why you've got to have an offense that will evolve. An offense that can do and be whatever it needs to do or be to beat you. If that means shotgun, let's go. If that means pistol, let's go. If that means under center, we'll do that. If it means running the ball, you've got to blend it all. And you've got to be capable of executing all of it. That's my point. Not not the talent. Don't look at the roster. Don't look at the talent. Scheme. This is what Kyler Murray has got to understand. And hopefully, this is where the evolution of this offense will go. So then why is everybody picking apart the Eagles coaching staff and not picking apart the Chiefs coaching staff? I mean, I, I get that it's Andy Reid. I get that he is the mastermind behind all of this. But again, it goes back to the Eric Bieniemy conversation. That offense is able to adapt. And if you're if you're saying look past just having Patrick Mahomes, which I think is fair because nobody else is going to get Patrick Mahomes. So if you're trying to mimic them, you have to do what you're saying of just look at how they were able to adapt in the second half of a game. They won a Super Bowl where Patrick Mahomes was the MVP, and I don't think anybody disputes that. But he had 182 passing yards. Yeah, it's I, not like he had 450 passing yards. No, exactly right. Um, you know, again, but how many rushing yards did they have in this game? It's crazy to me that he had 44 rushing yards. But yes, Isaiah, <laughs> it, it, it's not even the yardage. It's every time they needed yards from Isaiah Pacheco, he got it. He got it. That's yeah, it. You know, again, um, I, I don't know what your point is in regard to uh, why is everyone picking at the Eagles? Is that what you're saying? I just everything you're saying. I don't disagree with. It just goes back to the conversation of, okay, then why aren't teams trying to take guys from the Chiefs offense? Why Why is Eric Bieniemy still just there? Why Why do we have the conversation yesterday where he's looking around saying, I might just need to leave? Why wouldn't you want what the Chiefs have even if you can't have Patrick Mahomes? I know. Well, can I just say right now, the very first guy that everyone wanted was Sean Payton. Well, okay, yeah. now Sean Payton, you know, well, Sean Payton's going to run an offense that is balanced. He's not going to go out there and, hey, look, everybody, here it comes. The RPO, zone read, shotgun, every play. No, he's not going to do that. Uh, Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and so much more returns to Tempe Beach Park February 25th and 26th. Head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets when we come back. Jay Crowder has spoken for the first time since being traded. We get any clarity as to what happened between him and the Phoenix Suns? We'll play the audio for you next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show on this Tuesday morning. Looks like winter out there. Yeah, it does. So cool here in the basin. You know what? Honestly, gray, thick storm clouds, especially when the temperature is cool out there, man, it just makes you feel great because, you know, tomorrow it's not going to be. No, it's not. (laughs) 
I'm good with all this. I don't love the wind. Not a big wind guy. Do you like the wind? No. Yeah, yeah I'm not big on I'm that really either. Good with the yeah, wind. Yeah, the wind chill, no, of course. No, the wind always, say, unless, of course, it's uh, in the summertime and you're getting that. Well, then that's breeze, different. Yeah. yeah. Breeze, breeze is right not wind. There. I like when the weather people are they're like, oh, well, it's, it's 35 degrees, feels like three. Well, yeah. then I don't really care if it's 35. I care what it feels like. If it feels like three, that's what it is. One of these times, seriously, I've got to tell you this story. I will at some point in time. It's not going to be right now, but I've got to tell you the story in regard to my first time coming out here and driving up to Flagstaff in my CJ7 with a bikini top through a monsoon. <laughs> that was that was really, really cool, of course. Okay, next. All right. got to play some of this Jay Crowder audio. Um, he finally spoke. Now, I think... <laughs> I'm just going to play the audio. We can react because it's always felt like, well, well, what happened? What happened either in the off season? What happened where you couldn't play for the Suns or the Suns didn't want you to play for them? Or what What? What? what <laughs> happened during the playoff series against Dallas last year? Uh, all right. Here's uh, Jay Crowder saying um, internal talks about him being moved started last July. Oh, no, we, we had talks. We had talked well before that. Um, it went out publicly probably a month or two after we had internal talks probably around July. I think we, we set the standards straight of what, what, what we want to do moving forward, both sides. And um, it was a business decision from both from both sides, and I can um, honestly say that. So, um, like I said, it, it, it drug out longer than what I wanted, longer than what they wanted, obviously. Um, but it got done, so I'm moving forward. And then one more from Jay Crowder. I just feel like it's behind me now. Um, uh, we, we have some some stuff happened internally. Um, that they asked me to keep in, inside, so I'm, I'm gonna grant their wishes. Obviously, I've been working with these guys for a trade partner uh, for months now. I think, um, give or take, they did exactly what they said they was gonna do. Um, took longer than what we all expected, but um, it got done. So, I'm thankful for my time in Phoenix. I'm thankful for my teammates. Um, I'm thankful for uh, the organization embracing me uh, the past two years. We had a great run. Okay, we did some great things in Phoenix, and we uh, turned turned that culture around. So, I'm happy for those guys. I'm, uh, I wish them luck moving forward uh, but I'm, I'm moving on to my next chapter of my career and that's here with Milwaukee what a class act that was well done what a class that was well done act I oh my goodness what this makes you feel almost even worse <laughs> because it's like you know you're, you're like but Jay what did you do what did you yeah he said Jay, there was something internal that they're all keeping internal there was something internal that that happened that you know you, he's so okay with it and it's hey listen it happened it's behind me Stuff happened internally. They did exactly what they said they were going to do. I'm going to honor them. What a class. Yeah. Act. That's the way to do it. And and I know I said a couple months ago, like, if there's something basically internal and and it's holding everything up, it's, at a certain point, you got to let your fans in on what's going on. But now, now it's different to me. Now it's different because Jay Crowder, who's moved on, he's not sitting here. They're, the Suns aren't losing a bunch of games because they're paying a guy not to play. They've moved on. He's moved on. Sometimes it just doesn't work out, but it doesn't mean you have to burn down the memory. And Jay Crowder could have done that. We know there are players in this league that would have done that in that situation. Oh, well, I'm out of there wait now. To do that. And instead, he's like, you know what? There's a good couple years there. It's just not where I'm supposed to be right now. And they feel that way, and I feel that way. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna minimize or diminish those two years because you know what? Those were two really good years. They went to the NBA Finals and they won 64 games. 
there w- what's the point of going back and trying to minimize all that yeah that happened it was great it's not going to happen going forward the respect that i have for jay crowder as a former professional athlete right now just as a man overall i you can see why his teammates love him <laughs> you know again um, I have no idea what happened, but the the internal happened. <laughs> he referenced it once again right there. The something internal happened, and um, yet Jay Crowder never wavered, and it neither has his teammates in their love and affection for Jay Crowder. And uh, <laughs> just listening to him right there explains a lot. Yeah, no, and that that would have been if he was going to come out and be like, "Yeah, okay, now that I'm out of there." This is why I wanted out of there. You won't believe this or that or whatever. He didn't say any of that stuff. And I'm sure he has strong emotional feelings about it. But, you know, he's got those ties to yes. to his to, to a lot of his teammates that aren't here anymore uh, because everybody's now spread out across the league, it feels like, other than, you know, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul. Uh, but I just I think that's that is the best way to handle it. And the Suns have never thrown him under the bus. No. And he really hasn't thrown the sun. The, the closest he ever got was he was hurt that his coaches didn't appreciate what he did. Yes. Which I think is fair to say. I, I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's accurate. Right. No. But I think it's fair to have that. But I just now that everybody has moved on, I don't really care as right. much right. What, what caused it all. I cared as much when you're sitting out 50 games and it's hurting your career and the Suns are in a tailspin and nothing's happening. Yeah. I, I will say the curiosity, <laughs> the curiosity is there. It's almost worse, the curiosity right now. It's like, Jay, Jay, wh- what'd you do? <laughs> what, what happened, man? There's this mutual love and respect that you can almost feel in what he's saying. Listen to what he said about the sons and the way they handled it. And I, I mean... You know, it makes me think, Jay, you know, if, if, if details came out, would it make you look bad, you know, or what? But I don't I don't really care. I'm with Luke on this one, even though it is super curious well, as to what the details could entail. It's because he um, did say internal, which, of course, is a trigger word course. if you're a Suns fan after the way the playoffs ended last year. Monty Williams and D.A., Monty's like, it's internal. Yeah, and, about and again, you know, as a former professional football player, the very first thing I think of is when you say it's internal, okay, who brawled? <laughs> who went? <laughs> who, who, who was throwing blows? Who? <laughs> you know, but you can't get I mean, past that if it was that. <laughs> I, no, no, because with those blows come intent and it were words said as well. I would imagine that would be the case. Isn't Jordan Poole still in the Warriors? Didn't, um, didn't Draymond Sucker punch yeah, him the, like this but year? But then again, it's also personalities. What kind of personalities are you talking about? Well, maybe Jordan Poole is also a beta. This, maybe you've got an alpha and you've got a beta. And okay, that fits. That works. Not this, a problem. This is what made it so the, the story just didn't add up a couple weeks ago when they were like, "Oh yeah, Chris Paul, he they were they were looking to trade him for Kyrie. They were offering him for Kyrie." That that's why and I'm not saying that's not true. It just doesn't add up because everything with the Suns has been so buttoned up and behind the scenes. And yeah, yeah. if okay, they're not perfect, but when stuff goes wrong, Keep it behind the scenes. When I mean, even all the Kevin Durant stuff in the summer where it was like, well, who did they offer for him? Eh, nobody really knows who the Suns were offering for him or if they even made an offer. Don't ask me that. Everything's mystery. It was like t- dealing with Aaron Rodgers all summer. And that's a quality as a team to have that you don't let anything out. 
And now even something like this, they could be like, I'm glad Jay's gone, and here's why. Yeah. Or Jay could be like, I'm glad I'm out of there, and here's why. And they're still keeping it. Behind. So it just it doesn't add up to me that they would trade Chris Paul and allow that to be leaked. You, okay, Try to trade Chris why Paul. Why are you doing this to me right now? Are you trying to embarrass me live on the air? Is that what you're trying to do? You're I trying wasn't, to, you're but now trying I am. to get me to actually say, I, I don't, I, I am the grassy knoll. Is that what you're hoping that I'm going to say I, I, right I, here? I, because I, I, I you no actually intention. know. No, you know my theory. <laughs> you know what it is. You, the Chris Paul dilemma and why, how in the world does that actually come out? That Chris Paul was going to be traded for Kyrie. How does, how does that come out? Remember, it doesn't make any we sense were talking. To me. Yeah. I, it and doesn't stuff make like this any is sense. why it doesn't make sense. Well, of course, it, unless of course you were going to move Mikel and Cam Johnson, and you just wanted to, you wanted them to see how Chris handled trade rumors, and Chris handled those trade rumors very well, didn't he? He did. Very interesting to see Chris Paul, Chris Paul, ladies and gentlemen be involved in a trade scenario where he handled that very, very well. Were you watching, Mikel and Cam? Were you watching that right there? See, I would I would buy more of the, okay, this is the same team that has the guy we really want, so let's float them an offer. That's a legitimate offer, but what did that offer include? One pick, reportedly? And then when we come back to them two days later, which is essentially what happened. Yeah, remember we were trying to deal you for Kyrie? Oh, Kyrie's a Hall of Famer. We're not giving up more than one pick. Oh, uh, you know what? Actually, we'll give you four picks and Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder's contract that you can trade for a bunch of other picks. That's maybe it, maybe it was a leverage play because you don't often try to make two different trades with the same team in three days. Yeah. By the way, Mikel and Cam, we almost traded Chris Paul. Did you see that? We, we, did you see we almost tra- we almost traded him. We were going to trade him as a matter. He was people were talking about. To, do you see my point? You are the grassy knoll. I'm just saying right now. Uh, We come back. Are the Chiefs the team to beat again next season? We're going to ask ESPN's Jay Williams next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.